Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you. We adore you for this morning. As we sit at your feet to draw from you, we ask that you enlighten us. Fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That we will walk worthy of you unto all pleasing, bearing fruits unto you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that the eyes of our understanding is enlightened. That we hope we know what is the hope of our calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in us. And what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us, what who believe, according to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in that which is to come. Thank you for establishing us, for grounding and rooting us in your son. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. Be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, 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 ah.
lift your hands and worship. Let's can take over. Ay 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 Ya 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 
Masiela Manakaya. Speak in the spirit. Halabash. Alaguna Baso. Come on, speak in the spirit. In Aguaga, in Aguala Lavaza Ganasha, in Amana Makala Mazasha, Kibranamana Mazasa, in Amalakugu, Razagada Bada, Zamagabada Bada Bashu, Ila, Ila. Ilabasa konanda nandosta bakayenda ana sune namakune nena mazi ena mola adat oh thank you Jesus thank you Father tell the person sitting next to you that you are blessed. So let that flow in strings. Oh, thank you, Lord. All right, so you're ready for the word? I don't think you are excited about the word. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, so uh, we are still teaching on the responsibility of grace. Like I said, we use 20 teachings to establish the doctrinal aspect of our eternal forgiveness in Christ Jesus. We want to try our best to use the next 20 teachings for the responsibility of our forgiveness. In case you have not gotten the first 20 teachings on the doctrinal aspect of forgiveness, you need to get it because we establish so many wonderful truths that becomes a foundation or the fabric of what we are doing as your responsibility or response to that reality. Because um, most of the time, many believers who get to know who they are feel that is all the revelation there is to that reality. But we get to understand that uh, the believer must be established both in doctrine and in instructions. Because in the New Testament, there is doctrine, there is instruction. Doctrine establishes you in the faith. Instruction gives you... Um, guidelines for practical Christian living which influences your conduct in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So there is a place for living right because whatever you profess must become a reality. Knowing you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus must produce a life that is well pleasing to God. There are people who keep bragging, I'm forgiven eternally, I'm eternally saved, and we don't see the effect of that life in their lifestyles. And by living a life like that, you, you become a defeated believer. You lose your testimony as a Christian. Your testimony before unbelievers becomes light. Because when they see what you do physically, it does not reflect who you say you are in the spirit. And I've explained that unbelievers don't know you are the righteousness of God. They can't see that reality. Unbelievers don't know you are eternally forgiven. 
Unbelievers don't know you are you are you have been made holy unto God. They don't understand that reality because the Bible says they are foolishness to them. How do you look at a man who doesn't look holy yet this man is holy in Christ Jesus? The Bible says for um, spiritual things are um, foolishness to the natural man. He can't receive them. He can't know him. No, because they are spiritually discerned. It only takes the spirit of God to know God. So the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.12 that we did not receive the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. Praise God. So he does not understand all the things you say about I'm righteous by faith in Christ. He doesn't understand justification by faith. All he understands is that you are living a justified lifestyle. All, he, all that matters to him is that you are living a righteous life. Praise God. So, it's very important that the church, begin, that the church hears on uh, the practical Christian life. Because it solidifies and strengthens our testimony as believers. In fact, if you realize that your life is not is continuously inconsistent with the word of God, you even lose confidence as a Christian. Praise God. You can imagine, no wonder sometimes you see the sick, you know you have to pray for them, but you have lost your confidence. Praise God. So, that's just by the way, I'm teaching on the last aspect of the works of the flesh. We have dealt with all the works of the flesh. So, today the last one is what we call heresy. <laughs> heresy. So, maybe you can come to Galatians. Yeah, good. So, it, it mentions idolatry. We have done with, we are dealt with that. Witchcraft, dealt with that. Hatred. Please get the teaching. These teachings will bless your life. Seriously. Because most of the time we think of witchcraft, we think of someone flying. It's just one of the aspects of witchcraft, but it's more than that. Idolatry, we think of one who is worshipping an idol. But it's more than that. We've done that teaching. Hatred, we've done that. Variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, we've done all that. Then we look at heresies. Surprisingly, heresy is a work of the flesh. And every work of the flesh is a sin. So there is something called the sin of heresy. Someone will say, hear, hear, see. That means I hear. I hear, say. It's the sin of heresy. It's a work of the flesh. Your flesh comparting itself to become heretic. So, no, no heresy is by mistake. It's intentional and deliberate. Of course, there are sincere people um, who can fall into heresies. But most of the time, people who fall into heresy do that deliberately. Praise God. Oh, love, love, so caution here. I think this is a very sensitive topic to talk about. Maybe it might not interest many of you so much, but I think you need it. So I need you to hear the word of God. Now, what is heresy? 
quickly let's define it heresy number one it means dissensions arising from diversity of opinions dissensions arising from diversity of opinions by a body of men following their own tenets sects or parties heresy is a dissension arising from diversity of opinions by a body of men following their own tenets sects or parties You can put this down. Heresy becomes evil when sound Bible doctrine is rejected and a false doctrine is taught in place of the truth. Heresy becomes evil when sound Bible doctrine, please, you need to write this down, is rejected and a false doctrine is taught in place of the truth. Make sure you write something down. Because you can't keep all these things in your mind. Your mind is not the computer. Number three. A heresy is a belief that deviates from some standard or an official belief. A heresy is a belief that deviates from some standard or official belief. Thank you, Lord. Heresy is a belief that deviates from some standard or official belief. To explain what I just said, they are doctrinal views or beliefs that conflict with the recognized and accepted tenets or system for running the local church. I repeat again. They are doctrinal views or beliefs that conflict with the recognized and accepted tenets of a system in the local church. To continue what I just said. Now, it becomes very canal when the heat behind that division is to cause trouble hurts people and raise oneself in importance over another. Let me say that again. It becomes very canal when the heat behind that heretic teaching, which is bringing division, is aimed to cause trouble, hurt people, or raise oneself in importance over another. Most of the time, heresies create a lot of controversies deliberately. It hurts the heart of people. And normally people who enter into that want to get into a place of importance that I'm the one who created this revelation. I was the first to introduce this revelation. You know, we are living in a time where people can just read the Bible. They can just hold the Bible, open it like this, Whatever they see, then they say it's a doctrine. For example, you find out that Moses was supposed to come to God and God said, 
the place you stand is a holy ground. So take off your sandals. Someone can just read that and say that nobody should wear slippers to church again. Because the church auditorium is a holy ground. I'm telling you the doctrines people have built out of things that were not doctrinal, but were events that took place. There are people who build doctrines on dreams. They went for an excursion to hell and that became the doctrine. And someone had a vision that he went to hell and in hell, there was a woman that went there because of majestic. Someone says he went to hell. In hell he saw Bishop David Oedipo. He saw Benin. He's all the preachers in the world. He saw them there. That one be vision. No, you see, sometimes the devil can plant things like that so that you won't believe in any man of God again. Because if you're already, if they're already in hell, why, why listen to them? And I want to establish you in some of these things so that you don't just hear anything. Someone says, I went to hell. Everybody's listening to him. Someone says, Jesus died for you and you are, you, you are taking selfie. Praise God. So, everybody wants to see something. Everybody wants to hear what someone saw in heaven. And a lot of doctrines have become heresies today because of such things. Praise God. Someone went to heaven he says, Jesus told him that all those who don't pay tithe are going to hell. That's what Jesus told him. And that's a serious matter. He says, all ladies who wear makeups are going to hell. Jesus told him. And it's a serious matter. All ladies who wear cutex are going to hell. Now the ones who suffer are the ones who wear the Peruvian. It's a serious matter. It's a Jesus told him. So what happens to Romans 10.9? That if you shall believe with your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth the lordship of Jesus, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. Now we have replaced it that with weave on, one perishes. And that's a serious matter. When the tenets of Christian doctrine is thwarted by men because of vision, it becomes an heresy. And we have a lot going on today. Let's continue with the, de the, the definition. Heresies are the errors that threatens either the core essence of the Christian faith or the well-being of the Christian church. I think this teaching is too important for everybody. They are the errors that threaten either the essence of the Christian faith or the well-being of the Christian church. So any teaching that threatens or becomes a threat to the core doctrinal faith of Christianity becomes heresy. There was a message that was left to us by the apostles 
founded on Christ. When anybody tempers with that foundational teaching to say outside what was said because he thinks that technology also technological uh, how do I even put it? Because he thinks technology has brought an ev evolution to the Bible also. Today people have just embraced certain things without going to the foundational book. All kinds of things are being taught today. All in the name of I heard it. You were not there. I saw it. Nobody was there. I was reading. It is in the Bible. It is in the Bible. Have you heard that before? It is in the Bible. I've told you that all accounts in the Bible are clearly stated. But not all are statements of truth. All accounts written in the Bible are clearly stated. But not all of them are statements of truth. Satan spoke and it was recorded in the Bible. But can that be used for the guidance of a Christian's life? No. But it was clearly stated. The fact that it was clearly stated does not mean that they are statements of truth. David, Solomon married thousand women. Clearly stated. Is this statement of truth for us as believers? Are you seeing that? Cain killed Abel. Clearly stated, right? Was it good? It was bad, right? But it was clearly stated. Does it mean a statement of truth giving license for murder? Are you seeing that? So that is what people do. So someone will go and murder and says it was in the Bible. I hope you are getting this thing. Now, you need to understand that there are some doctrines that are so vital that it touches the very heart of the gospel and Christianity. There are some doctrines that are so essential that it touches the very heart of the gospel and Christianity. Those ones are untouchables. An example is that Jesus manifested in the flesh physically, though he was God. You can't temper with that. Jesus came in human flesh. The Bible says who, he who rejects this reality is an antichrist. Anyone who does not believe and confess that Jesus manifested in the flesh is an antichrist, even if he's your best friend. They are untouchables in the body. Nobody can edit it. Are you seeing that? Jesus died, rose on the third day. If nobody can temper with that. If anybody says that Jesus told him that there was an error in the translation and Jesus rose on the fifth day. 
there's a problem. No, and you see, Christians must be on guard when it comes to truth. So that you are not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Because a Christian can be tossed. He hears, I'm saved by grace through faith today. Another time, he goes to another church or he's listening to a radio and he hears a man of God saying, if you do this, you are going to hell. If you do this, you are going to hell. Then he's confused. What is happening? So, he's tossed. Why? Because he's not established in the faith. There are people today who believe that Jesus was never a physical human being. They believe he came or appeared as a spirit. Yeah. There are people today who believe that Jesus came as a spirit and possessed a human being. And that human being's name was called Jesus. Because they want to fight against the virgin birth. They can't understand that no man impregnated Mary but God. In John's time, they fought some very serious heresy, which is called Gnosticism. Today, you hear some names. Gnosticism. These people were called Gnostics. They did not believe in the physical existence of Jesus. Because they could not believe that God can manifest as a human being. Why? Because they believe anything that is matter does not matter. Anything physical is evil. Therefore, how can God come to an evil world as a man? So they were teaching that to the church. And John had to combat it. That is why First John was written with a certain style of language. If any man does not believe that Jesus manifested in the flesh, he says, that person is an antichrist. John was combating and fighting it. And John starts his epistle by saying, that which we have seen with our eyes, which our hands have handled concerning the word of life, he says, and this life manifested and we beheld him. John also wrote in John 1.14, he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt, tabernacled, made its tent amongst men. And we beheld his glory, the glory like us of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So John had to combat that Heretic teaching that was confusing men and tossing them to and fro. Are you following this? And to a certain extent, one of the heresies or one of the extremities that we have was legalism. Where people believe you have to obey the Ten Commandments if you want to make it to heaven. During the dark ages of the church, many of you don't know, but if you study church history, the church entered into a place called the dark ages. For a whole thousand years, truth was completely lost. Thousand years. Truth was completely lost. The Bible, you, you couldn't even find it. And then, a sect of people were reinterpreting uh, re the Bible. We call it the dark ages of the church. Anywhere you saw repentance, they changed it to make penance. In other words, when you sin, you have to punish yourself before God forgives you. So those days, people walked on broken bottles. 
They slept in dungeons for six months. After they are done, they know they are forgiven. Some hit their head against a wall. When blood comes, they feel justified. Unto God raised a man called Martin Luther King. Who God opened up to him the revelation of justification by faith. And he redeemed the generation. The truth on righteousness was lost. God raised men to restore it. The truth on the gift of the spirit was lost. God raised men to restore it. The truth on grace was lost. And God raised men to restore it. But unfortunately, some men have destroyed it. In an attempt to solve the problem of legalism, where people think it is your effort that makes you to go to heaven, or it's your effort that makes God love you more, some have rather destroyed the whole thing. In an attempt to teach that salvation is not by works, now people are teaching salvation minus obedience. In an attempt to establish salvation without works, some have entered into a new era called salvation without obedience. And today, when we talk of long prayer, people say it is law. When we talk of fasting, people say it is carnal because they've confused legalism with obedience. So, there are two things we're going to look more today. Heresies and extremities is the problem we have today in the church. Because the heresy is when you temper with the core foundational doctrines of the Christian faith. Or when men decide by their own will to build their own opinions of the Bible which rejects the truths that were foundational to us. That's heresy. But extremities is when one takes a particular revelation and takes it overboard as if that is all there is in the Bible. If you read church history, you realize there were so many doctrinal heresies that existed. Many of you don't like church history. It's good to read. See, any doctrine today you are hearing is not new. Did you hear that? Any, any false doctrine or heresy you are hearing today is not new. They were taught by people who were disciplined long ago. And it was documented. Are you following? There was one heresy called the heresy of Pelagianism. It was propounded by a man called Pelagia. Who believed that the sin of Adam was not universal. That means Adam sinned for himself. His sin did not spread to all men. So he taught that nobody was born a sinner. Nobody was born a sinner. The sin of Adam was not universal. It was singular. So Adam sinned for himself to show people the way how to sin. So that when they sin, they become sinners. That's Belagia. And guess where he taught this error? Africa. He was a bishop of Africa. Today, there are people teaching that. Adam's sin was not universal. It was singular. 
Yet they see, for all have sinned. Yet they see, for by one man's sin, sin spread, and judgment came upon all. There was another heresy that came called Machianism. It was propounded by a man called Machion, not the one of Pentecost. So those days when you committed heresy, then they call you by the name. So Pelagia, Pelagianism. Machion, Machionism. So be careful because we'll call you by the name. <laughs> As a rich, richilism. So Machion got to a point he could not understand that. Ah, when I read the Old Testament, they were killings. God sent some people kill. God brought um, um, uh, fire and brimstone to Sodom and Gomorrah. Sent flood and men died. But when we come to the New Testament, this God is behaving like he's good. So he could not reconcile it. You know his conclusion. He said the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament. You know what he did? He threw away all the Old Testament books. And he only accepted the New Testament books. Even that one. He took only Paul's epistles and the book of Luke. <laughs> Machion. He was called to order by the church. He did not listen. And he was excommunicated from the church. Because he could not understand why there were deaths in the Old Testament God was responsible for. And all of a sudden, this God is behaving as if he's good. He did not understand why God actively was involved in some of the death that happened in the Old Testament. I'm going to teach that as a topic on its own. Why God was responsible for certain deaths. And whatever you're going to see, whether there's a difference between killing and murder, we'll see it. You're going to understand God's justice and God's holiness. We'll understand. So, he, he said, no, the God of the New Testament is a good God. The God of the Old Testament is a tyrant. He's a wicked hater. He has an anger management problem. That's what he said. So, he says, let's take that God away. We don't like him. And let's keep the God of Jesus Christ. Amazing. Today, there are people who are preaching the same. You are going to come to them. There are people who said God never gave the law to Israel. He doesn't know anything about the law. Angels connive with Moses to give the law. No, you are laughing. It is happening today. These are preachers. Some have churches. They are preaching that. That angels, they look at the nature of man. They realize that man is a sinner. They call Moses, come. They connive. They look at the things man cannot do. And they put it in the Ten Commandments. They are teaching it today. They said, God does not know anything about the law. Because they saw a scripture in Galatians 3. We said it was appointed by angels. Which they don't understand. 
And Acts chapter 7, I think 53 or 56, they saw that. They also say it was ordained by angels. That means that angels used their own authority and wisdom to declare. The 613 laws. And God was sitting down aloof. <laughs> An old man who, who, doesn't, who has a memory problem. And angels are the ones who are enjoying the house. That's what is being taught. Why am I teaching this? Because it is on heresy. Number two, I'm teaching this because you come across these things as you are flipping through Facebook. And some of you who are fascinated on hearing new things. Pastor has always been saying, Christ died. Christ died. Christ died. Christ died. I want somebody who will tell me that Christ is alive. Get ready. Papa is always repeating. Always repeating. Always repeating. I want something fresh. Dear Robert Revy. <laughs> Continue. That has been the mother of all errors. Because people are not satisfied with repetition. Yet repetition is the key to understanding and establishment. Sometimes people think you repeat because you don't have what to say. See, now to 10 years, I have a message for you. Prepared already. I'm not exaggerating. I'm telling you the truth. But I have to take my time. Because giving you different, different, different things without establishing you will confuse you. So if you, if you have heard some teacher and said, no, Papa hasn't gotten to that, that level yet. When he gets there, I'm, I'm sure you understand. <laughs> and you go and hear someone saying that communion is obsolete. It is obsolete. In the New Testament, we are not supposed to take communion. It is obsolete. Then you hear, the person will give you, see, you can prove everything with the Bible. So, the day we are sharing communion, you have crossed your leg. They don't know. <laughs> Father, open Papa's eyes. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. Every teaching around the area of grace, I passed there some. I've been teaching and preaching and studying grace for nine years. Every error, I walked there some. Extremes. <laughs> it was my swimming pool. And I'm going to be sharing some with you. See, you can never convince an heretic. It takes the Spirit of God. You can never convince an heretic. It takes only the Spirit of God. So never get to that point. Now, please, you need to find out something. There is a slight difference between doctrinal differences and doctrinal errors. As I'm teaching this, I need to let you understand the flexibility so that you don't become doctrinally proud. Because there is a sin called doctrinal pride. Getting somewhere. So don't confuse the difference, which is doctrinal differences and doctrinal errors. So, example, every church has a certain doctrine they believe in that differs slightly from another church. 
Are you seeing that? So, that doesn't mean because this is what your church believes. So, that church is wrong. No. There are churches who uphold anointing oil. They believe that they must anoint the people with oil and then every yoke shall be broken. Listen carefully. I believe in anointing oil. Please pay attention. And I use the anointing oil. Some is in the office. But I always make sure I'm led more so that I don't make it a ritual. Am I teaching good? So that I don't think that the anointing oil is God's last card. Without oil, oh God, there is nothing to use. What should happen? You see, so people can take things to an extreme where it now becomes a certain legalistic way. As if God cannot bless anyone without oil. In fact, there's one man who went to see a man of God walking around the hospital. He was so glad seeing this popular man of God. He said, man of God, you will pray for me today. The man said, there's no oil. He went to take grease from his car. <laughs> That's an aggressive man. Another example is the doctrine of tithing. There are churches today that don't believe in tithing. They don't believe in tithing at all. They believe free will offering. There are others who believe it and uphold it with all their heart. That if you temper with it, you have tempered with your whole life. So let the man who does not believe it at all, because, see, when the person who does not believe that he is supposed to pay his tithe, has enough scriptures to prove it. The man who believes also has enough scriptures to prove it. So, you don't fight each other. For example, in the RGCC, we believe in tithe, but not as people teach it. That without it, you will not go to heaven. It has no scripture foundation. And without it, God cannot do anything wonderful in your life. If you don't give your tithe, your life will be tight. <laughs> if you don't give your offering, you experience suffering. I don't teach that. But in this ministry, we take monthly, uh, monthly commitment and what? And tithe. Knowing who you are in Christ, knowing your liberty in Christ. Those who were under the law were given 10%. You who now have the liberty, salvation, no law. 10% should be your what? Your starting point. But today there are people fighting. You, you don't believe tight. You are, you are lost. You are lost. You, you believe that. You people are the people who have been tight. Look at you people. No wonder. Look at your life. Doctrinal pride. And there's a battle. But these are doctrinal differences. See, some of these arguments, until Jesus comes, they will keep on being argued. Anointing oil, to use or not to use, we will argue on it till Jesus comes. So me, I said I will use it till Jesus comes. <laughs> are you following what I'm saying? Uh, please. This is a very important thing I'm teaching you. I pray I have time. 
Because today we are closing early whether I like it or not. <laughs> Praise God. So, there are, there are churches that have their doctrinal differences. But as believers, we need to be careful and guard our hearts against doctrinal pride. Please, this will help you. Because doctrinal pride in itself is sin. What sin is that? The sin of pride. What is doctrinal pride? Doctrinal pride is the assumption that whatever my doctrinal beliefs are, they are correct. And anyone who holds another belief is theologically inferior to you. Let me repeat that again. Doctrinal pride is the assumption that whatever my doctrinal beliefs are, they are correct. And anyone who holds another belief is theologically inferior to you. For example, I believe that I'm saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. In other words, I believe that salvation is grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, which is the truth actually. But someone believes that, okay, you need to add some works to it. Of course, that doesn't save you. Adding some works to it doesn't save you. Because you are saved only by grace alone. Because if our works could not save us in any way to get to heaven, that tells us that salvation is only dependent on God. Salvation is 100% God, 0% man. In salvation, not in your Christian conduct. So, somebody says that he doesn't believe that. Now, you have so much knowledge. You are vested in this understanding. There is a temptation that that knowledge can puff you up. And soon when you find out somebody who is saying that, hey, for me, I believe it's my righteousness that will take me to heaven. See, see, if you convince someone with the scriptures, he said that's what he believes. Don't look down upon him. Leave him, let him suffer. We all get to heaven. We all get to where? We all get to heaven. But you see, we can get to a point we can get to a point where we become so proud. This guy, you, you don't even know you are saved by grace. Look at this thing. Come to LGCC. You, you realize that you know nothing. Be careful. Be careful. There are some people who have gone to look for trouble for me because of what they said in the office. And people are hating me and I don't know. Innocently. Oh, we are forgiving eternally, past, present, future. Everything is forgiving. It doesn't matter what you do, you are forgiving. <laughs> Who says so? My pastor says so. Is, is that the tone I used? <laughs> then someone says, What kind of teaching is your pastor giving you? Your, your pastor said that that is not how I constructed it. You concluded it that way and you found trouble for me. And now I have many enemies I don't know. Because of your carnality. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the Bible has given us wisdom. See, see, if you don't take a knowledge can make you so proud. You look down on everybody. You hear somebody is doing feet washing. He said, look at these ignorant people. Look at these people. They don't understand new covenant issues. You hear somebody doing anointing service. Ah, I wish he was here. Oh, bon, bon. You're looking for trouble. A 
Please, are you getting this thing? So, doctrinal pride comes as a result of when you have a certain knowledge someone does not have. You begin to look down upon the person because this is what he believes. Listen, allow people to be themselves. As long as it does not temper with their salvation. Are you following what I'm teaching? Now, let me give you a scripture in Romans chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. It's a long read, but please pay attention. When you go home, look for three simpler versions, like easy to read Bible, NLT Bible. Okay, let's get to NLT. I think that one will help us straight away. Now, watch this, NLT. He says, now regarding your question about food that is offered to idols, because the Corinthian church were from idol-worshipping backgrounds. He says, yes, we know that. We all have knowledge. In other words, the Corinthian church know that eating food offered to idols does not do anything to them. He says, we all know. But we, know, we all know about the issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, this version didn't put it out very well. Give it to me in uh, KJV and then let's move on. He says, now about food sacrifice to idols, you let's maintain the KJV. We know, he said, we know that we all possess, are you seeing that? Possession of knowledge. We have knowledge. Knowledge, what? Puffs up. Love. Haven't you realized that there is up for both of them? Puff up and build up. But there's a difference. When something is puffed up, I'll give you an example. When you take a balloon house, and you blow, like a, a, a balloon that has been designed in the form of a house, that means when you blow air into it, it becomes like a house, right? And you blow air, what happens? It puffs up. It becomes a big building, right? Have you seen those children's castles and all that? Now, when you use cement block to also construct, what happens? There is an app for both of them, but one is built, one is puffed. What's the difference? The one that is puffed has no quality. The one that is built has quality. But all of them come up. So, you can become proud doctrinally, but love always leads you. Are you seeing that? Love builds. So look for an opportunity to build, not scatter. Because doctrinal pride or the, not, the pride of knowledge can cause you to destroy than build. And this is what the verse is doing. Now, come to the next verse. He says, if any man thinks that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. So see, whatever you know about salvation, the Bible says you know nothing. Isn't this scary? All the scriptures he thought he know. He says, if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. Look at the next verse. He says, but if any man love God, the same is known of him. Next verse. Quickly. He says, as concerning therefore eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols. We know, Paul says we know, that an idol is nothing in the world. Look at Paul's belief system. And he said the Corinthian church knew. In other words, I don't believe that I was offered to Antwa. And as I've grown, I, I need to go and do some spiritual direction in a river to break that covenant. He says, we know that an idol is nothing in this world. And that there is none other God but one. That's what he believes. I believe that one God saved me. There are no smaller gods I am tied to. That's what Paul is saying. Next verse. For though there be that are called, you see the letters, small letters, gods, 
whether in heaven, heaven or in the earth, as there be God's many and Lord's many. Look at the next verse. But to us, there is but one God. Hey! The Father of whom are all things. And we in him. And one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and, and we by him. Next verse. How? You see, he has puffed you up with knowledge now. That there are no idols. Does it seem there are? Yes, it seems there are. But Paul is giving you a higher revelation over what men see. Are you seeing that? Okay. How be it? You see, there is always a how be it in every revelation. He says, there is not in every man, in other words, every Christian, that knowledge. For some, with conscience of the idol, his father told him that in this family, nobody prospers because of the spirits in the family. He says, some with conscience of an idol unto this eye. In other words, even though he's born again, he still holds onto that system of belief. He says, eat as a thing offered to an idol. Are you following this? And their conscience being weak is defiled. That means a man's conscience can be defiled. And there is something like weak conscience. We all seated here don't have the same strength of conscience. Or level of conscience. Some have weaker conscience. Especially, uh, probably somebody who has not been here for too long. Because you'll be hearing things that you're like, ah, really? I was not taught that, you know. Take your time. We are now teaching you. Now look at the next verse. But meat commended us not to God. For neither if we eat, are we the better. Neither if we eat not, are we the worse. Next verse. But take heed. Are you seeing that? Every revelation and understanding you have, take heed. Lest by any means this liberty of yours, every knowledge you have about Christ liberates you. But he says, take heed that this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Next verse. He says, for if any man see thee which has knowledge sit at meat, in the idol's temple shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols. What is Paul saying? You know you can enter into a shrine right now. And the food they are giving to the idol, you take it and eat. There are some people in your houses when they are celebrating kokori. No kokori. They bring you kokori, right? And sometimes even with Muslims, they bring you what? Salamit and and rice, right? They bring it to you. Because of your mindset, that is weak. You say, hey, this one, they, they say they wash their sins on the head of the cow. Wash their sins, I will eat it. Are you seeing that? But the Bible says that. You see, I have a better understanding. You see, if they wash their sins upon the cow, my sins were washed. The, the cleansing of the blood of Jesus cleanses that food. The Bible says, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. I understand it. Not everybody knows it. So imagine I am with another believer who is from another ministry who has been taught that idols are powerful. 
and we were in the house and they brought us um, meat, Muslim meat, and rice, and they set it before us. To an immature person who has understood his right in Christ, he said, bring it before the table. Who are that mountain? Before Zerubbabel. That shall become as... <laughs> and that believer is sitting down. He said, hey, Muslims have watched their sins and they're giving you all their problems and their burdens. Jesus has cast your curse and bear this unto me. <laughs> he doesn't know that. Then he sees that you are looking at his face. Who's <laughs> And the guy is like, wow, so we can eat meat offered to idols and nothing is wrong. He did not have the understanding. He only saw what you did. Then you also do it. If there's anything wrong with that thing, it will affect him. In other words, if there was food in an idol worshiping temple and I went to take it and I'm eating, he said, where did you get it? From the temple. He said, from the temple. And you, you all get eating it. The revelation you have has preserved you. He didn't have it. Then he'll go and take it. The next morning, his stomach is big. Wow. Are you seeing that? Look at the next verse. He says, and through thy knowledge, I shall the weak brother, do what? Perish for whom Christ died for. Hey! Next verse. But when ye sin so against who? The brethren. So I can sin against the brethren by what I do with my knowledge. There are some people today who are fornicating because they heard you teaching them that, oh, fornication is not really anything. Even if you do it, Christ has already forgiven you. How you taught it caused that brother to perish. How you taught it? You taught it as though you are teaching an LGC member who could, oh my goodness, some have destroyed their work with their knowledge. They are just exuberant about knowledge. They want to express their knowledge. Company money devotion. They want everybody, everybody to know that they have revelation. Let me preach. Let me preach and I'll show the people in this house. <laughs> you take your Bible. You don't even start with prayer. Open your Bibles right now to Galatians chapter 2. <laughs> and you're preaching. Do you know in the book of Genesis, the Bible says in the beginning. Now, the word beginning is in the Greek barashit. Now, the word barashit is from a deep root called barashit. Then they're like, wow. So, what I'm trying to say is that, see, the believer is righteous. Nothing can make him unrighteous. It doesn't matter. You can even go to nightclub. You are still clean. You are cleansed. You are... Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, you see, somebody who was, who was happily going to nightclub, okay, and he did not know the message of grace is to actually liberate people to serve God more and be committed to Christ. We'll hear that portion of your statement. He said, ah, my brother, why did you come long ago? <laughs> when I needed you. I'm not you there. You see that? You have caused that brethren to perish with your knowledge. Have you seen that? So, so see, he says, but when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you do what? You sin against Christ. So there are many of you who have sinned against Christ unknowingly because of some arguments you went, some statements you made in an argument in your family. And your family members don't want to see me. 
You are not watching me. Some have regretted in their minds. I know. Because they didn't hear the full story. Next verse, Yanko. Wherefore, listen, look at the instruction. If meat make my brother to offend, I will no, eat, I will no longer eat flesh while the world standeth. Lest I make my brother to offend. Next verse. He says, am I not free? That's what many of you will say. Am I not? Oh, oh okay, okay. Yeah. I think now am I not free? supposed to enter into the chapter 8. But it's okay. Now, come to Romans chapter 14. Paul dealt with it again. Romans 14. Look, he says, accept him. Now, when is exactly 11.10? Some, Pastor Moses, lift up your hands for me, okay? 11.10. We'll close at 11.30 exactly. Accept him whose faith is weak. Without what? Passing judgment on disputable matters. He said accept him whose faith is what? Weak. So there are people who are weak. The word faith there is knowledge. So some of you just see faith and you say faith. No. You have to read it in context. The word faith is knowledge. So accept him whose knowledge is weak because you build faith on revelation on knowledge. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? For example, uh, Mrs. Bunny is sitting down. She's very okay. She believes the chair can support her. All of us, I told her, Mrs. Bunny, there's a snake under the chair. She developed what fear, and that fear made her rise up from the chair. So that knowledge made her react. In that same vein, if I tell her that uh, uh, this this chair you are having, there's one billion dollars under, she begins to move to check it. Why? Because knowledge. Is making her behave that way. Are you seeing that? So, knowledge is faith, and faith is knowledge on this context. Next verse. He says, One man's faith, please follow, which is also one man's what? Knowledge allows him to eat everything. There are people who say they don't eat pork. If you're not eating pork for health purposes, fine, because pork health wise, if you eat it too much, I said what? Too much. Especially at 11.30 p.m. Too much. I'm saying that because I love pork. <laughs> and I am the one holding the mic. <laughs> so when I give you the mic, you give your testimony, okay? Let's move on. <laughs> one man's knowledge allows him to eat everything. He eats everything. Everything, everything. But another man whose faith is weak eats only veggies. <laughs> hey! This is in the Bible. Though. Someone's like, what? This is in the Bible. Next verse. Let's move on. One man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. Are you seeing that? And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. For God has accepted him. Are you seeing that? So we want to relate this to doctrinal issues. Because this is a doctrinal issue. So the guy... Okay, we are going to get there. Next verse. He says, who are you? Tell somebody, who are you? To judge someone else's servant. To his own master, he stands or false. 
and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. This is a good bump. One man considered, considers one day more sacred than another. I'll explain. Another man considered every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. What is he saying? He says one man esteems one day above every day. Example, birthday. He says he esteems it as sacred. So one man says, on my birthday, I fast from six to six. I won't eat anything. And I only do Thanksgiving. And I wear white, white. Another man says that my birthday, it be chilling, I go chill. I will go to the restaurant, eat some good food on my birthday. That's what I want to do. You know, there are some people who, who want to impose their spirituality. Sister, you have to also fast on your birthday. It's a good thing. So, they see someone chilling, they say, hey, your birthday, pan, you should thank God for how far he has brought you. And you are just eating. Hey, some people don't understand these things. So, we are living in a very devilish world, though. So, by his understanding of how he upholds that day, he thinks that it is a revelation. And another man says, hey, me, I'll go job. I won't fast on my birthday, like me. I will fast every day, but my birthday, I don't go fast. Are you seeing that? So, so he's saying that one man considers one day more sacred. So there's somebody who has decided that every Friday is my fasting day. Why? Because it's my day of birth. He shouldn't impose it on everybody that also on your day of birth you must fast. Is it by force? Are you seeing that? So the Bible is warning us on how we shouldn't impose knowledge on others. Look, he says each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So if it's, he says your, your what? Own mind. Next verse. He who regards one day as, you see, special. This is a special day. It's a special day for me. So I'll wear white, white. You see, there are some, you know, uh, most churches believe on 31st, you should wear what? White, white. There are some people who, who come to have knowledge and say, what is the essence of this white, white these people are wearing? Why, what? Is it 31st that you wear white? See, we wear white. What's your problem? We esteem that day as a special day. There are some churches that say that uh, the first uh, 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 Sunday of January, we are supposed to give Thanksgiving offering. Someone says, Thanksgiving for what? If you want to thank God, can't you thank him every day? Can't you thank him with your mouth? And you want to thank him with an envelope? And they will condemn that act. That is what the church esteems as special. What be your problem? Am I teaching good here? So, don't, see, if that is not what you believe, don't go and be imposing things. This does not affect whether you go to heaven or hell. So, leave it. I'm teaching good here. He says, he who regards one day as special. That's so to who? The Lord. So if they wear white, white on 31st, it is to who? The Lord. If they do special Thanksgiving every uh, January, they do it to who? The Lord. If they decide to take tithes, they do it to who? If they decide not to, they do it to who? The Lord. 
If I decide to eat on my birthday, it is to who? The Lord. If I decide to fast on my birthday, it is to the Lord. Please, are you getting this? He says, he who eats meat, eats to... So, do you know we eat to the Lord? I'm, I'm telling you. So, if you know you are eating to the Lord, there's a way you should eat. So, that means you can dishonor God in your eating habit. One main crop is D. That one to be to who? The Lord. <laughs> Satisfied for the Lord. <laughs> yeah, it's to the Lord. And you see, you, you have to weigh the differences. So, because uh, what you are going to use to eat four bowls of kinky at 9 p.m., which is going to affect you to wake up at 2 a.m. to pray, it better not do it to the Lord. <laughs> are you seeing that? Be- because it's going to affect you. Because you can't eat four bowls of KK and say, Holy Ghost, as I'm going to bed tonight, uh, Holy Spirit, try and tap me and, so that I can be able to wake up at 1 a.m. so that I can spend some time with you. Four bowls of KK. The, the prayer you are praising, you will give for you. You are too full to get up. Haven't you realized that when you keep yourself light, like let's say you eat at 4, 4 p.m. or 5 p.m., around 9 p.m. you are light. You just take some tea. And you go to sleep. Do you know you wake up early? You don't, you don't need an alarm. Some of you, you are fixing an alarm for nothing. It's light. The lightness becomes the alarm. Because some of you, even the alarm does not wake you up. Some are laughing because it's true. Because you realize that the time, sometimes the thing just blows you, throw the phone away somewhere. Anyway, he says, For he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains, so does so also to the Lord and give thanks to God. Please, are you seeing this? Next verse. For none of us lives to ourselves alone and none of us dies to ourselves alone. Next verse. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Next verse. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Next verse. He says, you then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So you the one judging, you also be judged. So be careful. That's what he saying. Next verse. He says, it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess to God. Uh-huh. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Next verse. He says, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Next verse. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I'm fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. Frog meat is... So, now, now, he's saying something here, and he's going to explain. Frog meat is clean, because it's sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Lizard is clean. So, leave the Chinese people alone. That's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Snake meat is? So, leave them alone. Are you getting that? Because that's what the Bible said. It says, no food in itself is unclean. Next verse. But, no, it says, but if anyone regards, you see the problem. It's the conscience. If anybody regards something as on, 
So if you say snake, mm, snake and one pastor pastor say, mm, mm. he says you regard it as unclean. Then for him, it is unclean. So never eat snake meat. No one. There's a verse in the Bible that says that when you go to buy something and they offer it to you, don't ask where it came from because there's some kebab sellers. If you ask them where it came from, you realize that it was some three days dog that died. That they have roasted hot hot for you <laughs> with pepper, and you are eating and the kebab. The kebab seller said, "Only the mama." If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Can you imagine even in food, we can show love or show love? He says, if your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Next verse. He says, do not... This is where I was getting to. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. Shame in other teachings. There are those who believe fasting is what made them. And I believe that fasting makes a man. But when you fast to try to please the Lord and get his attention, there's a problem. There are some who think when you fast from 6 to 12 and I fast from 6 to 6, I am better than you before God. Because yours is 12, mine is 6. You are just kind of, because the, God does not even live in time. It is the heart with which you decide to discipline yourself that matters to God. So, some people feel more spiritual. When they fast 6 to, you see, when I tell you to fast 6 to 2, it's because I know 6 to 12 is nothing. And I want to stretch you. I'm not saying that that is when God will answer you more. No. There are people who fast to see. When I see people uh, fasting to do it, it's small boys are young, you know. <laughs> you know, be a man, fast to see. Then we know you are doing something. Have you fasted three days dry before? If you have not fasted three days, you are not anointed. God does not respond to three days dry. He responds to what you do in that discipline. Please, is, is someone getting this? Good. He says, for the kingdom of God. No, come to the verse that comes before. Or we have read that. Okay. So he says, don't let your good be spoken evil of. There are some things which are very good and true. But how you speak it, people will will speak evil about what you're saying. Next verse. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Next verse. He says, because anyone who serves Christ in this way. So there is a way of serving Christ. Please, did you see this? If anyone serves Christ in this way. So, do you know even in your food, you are serving the Lord. How you treat food before another brother is service to God. Do you know that if you have a Christian brethren, 
We all know that alcoholism is not good. And you drink alcohol in front of that brethren. You have disrespected him. You know. You have disrespected that brethren. And you served Christ wrongly to that brethren. That's how you served Christ. Wrongly to that brethren. You misrepresented Christ to that brother. You need to apologize to him. You sinned against him. By drinking in front of him. And this is a serious matter. And because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Next verse. He says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to what? See, the goal of your Christian life is peace. There's some people I see on Facebook and I just, I'm like, what kind of people are these? Everything they write is to create war on Facebook. They deliberately write controversial things. See, if you're a Christian and you, you keep writing things that will cause fights, be careful. You, it's carnal. It's sin. It's, it's devilish. You need to be careful. You need to be careful. Because that thing you are writing down there is going to cause another brethren to be offended or stumble. It's carnal and sinful. You can sin against the brethren this way. There's one guy, I won't mention the name, on, on Facebook. He just wants to be controversial. He's a very small boy. But if you look at his comment session every day, 200 comments, it is not positive. Argument. All homosexuals are going to heaven because they are in Christ. Are we saying homosexuals cannot be saved? We didn't say that. But when you put out a picture like that in such sentence, you will destroy the brethren. Fornication is not a sin. In the Bible, the Bible says flee fornication for every sin committed in the body. So fornication is a sin. The Bible will not tell us flee, avoid, and abstain if it's nothing. Are you seeing that? So if you go and write things like that, you are causing division in the body of Christ. So he says, let us therefore make every effort to do what please, what leads to peace and mutual what? Edification. I don't argue with people on Facebook. However, whichever way you insult me, I will end with something that will edify someone. Not knowing people have even been reading my comments. I didn't know. My replies to people. It was a whole message to them. Irrespective of your age, I reply you with please and thank you. If you insult me, thank you. If you disagree with me, thank you. One of the people observing, people started texting me. Man of God, there's something about you, I don't know why. The peace in your heart, how you treat people, how you handle people on Facebook is, I, I just get blessed. Honestly, sometimes you don't feel like saying that. There have been times I was about to type something. I mean something. Then the Holy Ghost says, hey, you are here to transform lives. Don't let the good be spoken evil of. Then I withdraw and I reply by saying, it is well. With pain. <laughs> That's the Christian life. That's a Christian life. See, the moment you resort to emotions, you will destroy your testimony as a Christian. Everything you want to react. Everything you want to react. 
you have you you have something to say about everything. That's not a Christian life. Learn to ignore certain things. Ignore certain things. He passed by. He didn't greet me. Who who does he think he is? You are too petty. You are petty. He didn't say hello. Does he have a problem with me? Me, I'm a, I'm a problem, that I'm a problem already. So I can face you. You are petty. You know the number of times I've greeted people and how they treated me in that greeting? And I still ignored? Because I have better things to think about. Better things to think about. So there are some of you, when we open your heart, when we open your heart like this, the junk, the junk in your heart, we have to employ Zoom Lion quickly. So much junk. You have kept so many things. So many things in your heart. Pain, bitterness, offenses by different people. You know their name, their contact address, the day they've offended you, the venue, everything. It's in your heart. You remember everything. But you, you can't finish quoting John 3.16. When David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart, what are you hiding in your heart? Don't be a petty Christian and fatal. Let's go on. He says, Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. You know, the people who have destroyed the work of God for the sake of food, they went to fight under a party because they didn't give them big chicken. <laughs> it's amazing how some Christians can behave because of chicken. How do you go for a wedding and you go and fight? We are going to celebrate two couples. You went to fight. We went to funeral to mourn. They shouldn't even serve you. And by the grace of God, they saved you. And you went to fight. Hey! Why are you angry? They were serving everybody malt. When they got to me, they gave me Sprite. Look at you. If you want to drink more, go and go and buy more there. Malt your four cities. It's how much? Four cities. Go and buy malt. If you wanted to eat fried rice, they serve everybody. When they got to you, they gave you banco and pepe. You don't like banco and pepe. There are many fried rice joints around. Go and eat it and come and sit down peacefully. Don't destroy the work of God because of meat. You like meat. They gave everybody meat. When they got to you, they gave you fish. You are angry. Food. Hey! We are you. No, for me, I don't like trouble for myself. When I'm going for a wedding, I go, I, I fire very well, and I go. When I'm, when I'm sitting, I'm, I'm sipping water. They don't know the secret behind the water. <laughs> so, I don't go and fight for food. Don't, see, don't go to any meeting hungry. So, I, I just glance, I'm watching, and I'm sitting down. Well, as people are forming the queue, praise the Lord, God, I'm seated. I am seated full. And fully seated. So I don't fight for food. So if you see, if you give me toothpick, I'm okay. If you give me salad alone, I'm okay. If you give me fish, I'm okay. That's somebody I'm okay. The food you are fighting for, can't you buy it? You know, and you see, some of these issues become very big issues. Things that are supposed to bring people together, they separate. How a church will organize a party, and after the party, ten people are offended. Church party. We go for picnic. We go for church games. We'll come back with offense. Acting. Pettiness. Someone says, for me, I've stopped church because hmm, that's what Christians, if you befriend them, they, see, 
you will find more problems in the church than anywhere. Because this place is not, uh, this place is a hospital. We are repairing people. We are healing people. We are giving people injections. What am I doing to you? I'm giving you some drugs. So if you think everybody here is perfect, forget about it. Forget about it. Why are you So stop being petty. I'm saying because food is a very powerful thing. You know? Food is too powerful. Food has separated mother and son. Food. Brothers have been separated because of food. Church members have quarreled because of food. Pastors are angry because of food. They served all the members. They left him out. They didn't give him special treat. <laughs> he was expecting two chickens. They gave him one. As I, the head pastor, I'm thinking, my guru can cut pastor. <laughs> hey. I was, oh, they lose the pastor doesn't really care about. I care. I care. You know, you hear what I said? Someone thinks that oh, pastor doesn't care about food. So anytime we bring anything about food, let's forget. That I care. <laughs> I said what? I care. <laughs> All food is clean. But it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to what? Stumble. What time did I say? What's the time? 11.07. So three minutes. Three minutes is a better day. Let's continue. See, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. Next verse. So whatever you believe about these things, are you saying whatever you believe about anything, he says, keep between who? There are some revelations you don't spread it. You just keep quiet. Enjoy it for yourself. Because there's some environment, the moment you expose that revelation, you know, the, the, there's one guy I'm told that he came to understand the revelation of grace uh, because he was following my articles, was following, and he went to Pentecost, Bible study. He was going to prove his knowledge. <laughs> they were doing his crosses like at the back. They were doing the argument on it, and he said, no, no, you're all wrong. <laughs> Make a talk. <laughs> they, wanted to do, uh, they wanted to ordain him as a presiding elder. He has lost it. Because knowledge can puff you up. Take your time. See, I've been to churches where the die by fire is the hot one. And they say, lift up your right hand. Lift up your spiritual gun. And I'm, I'm like this. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm serious. Lift your spiritual gun. I'm like this. Upon my knowledge, oh, if some of you see me, you say, oh, Pastor, what is wrong with you? <laughs> the spiritual gun. I lift it up like that. Shall pay. Pay. In my mind, it's a toy gun, but who went there? Enkushi. But how will you for do them? Shoot, pay! I said, pay! Shoot, pay, 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 pay! <laughs> Say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We kill! We kill! <laughs> We fire, we fire. Then he said, Don't laugh, don't laugh. I'm also, hey, I'm a commander. I kill. 
In Jesus, we say, uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with us now. There are some places who say, be with us now. When I go, I say, be with us now. Goodness and mercy, I say, follows us all the days of life. And we dwell in the house of God. There are places I go. They, they are just watching. Goodness and mercy shall follow us. Shall follow, need follow. You know what you understand. It's not the words. But just for peace, you agree. You go to a place, they believe clapping to pray. I'm telling you. I went to a place, they said they are anointing everybody's feet. They don't do feet washing. I revoked my shoe. When they were praying, I prayed with them. They anointed my feet. I cleaned it. I came to sit down. Did they kill me? No. You see, it is maturity. Apostle Paul was going somewhere with Timothy. He was going to Jerusalem. When he went to Jerusalem, Acts 16, watch that. This Apostle Paul who says circumcision does not save anybody. No man is saved by circumcision. He says, and he came to Debbie. And hey, Debbie, you're in the Bible, oh. Hey. Wow. And he came to Debbie. Wow. And then he came to Lystra. Who is Lystra here? You are Lystra. <laughs> Where a disciple named Timothy, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was what? A Greek. His father was a Gentile. So, next verse. The brothers as Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Next verse. He says, but Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So he circumcised him. Because of the Jews who lived in that area. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. So Apostle Paul who never believed in circumcision. Circumcised Timothy. Why? So that they can be able to gain the Jews. No wonder Paul says, to the Jew, I became a Jew. That I saved some. To the Gentile, I became like a Gentile. That I saved some. There are some people when I'm preaching to them, I preach the law first to them. Because that is the language they understand. When I preach law to them, then I enter them into grace when they open up. It's simple. You need to apply wisdom in handling the gospel. I'll give you last verse. Acts chapter 19. Last verse. And this one quite there to shock you. How Apostle Paul could do this. Oh, is it Acts 19 or Acts? Good, Acts 20. Uh, Acts 21. When you go, you can start reading from the verse 18. But quickly, let me give you the background. Paul was going to Jerusalem to go and preach. And James advised him that, see, right now your name has spread. They say you are destroying their customs. Animal sacrifices. You have destroyed everything and they are looking for you to kill you. So I want to advise you to purify yourself. Those days, they sacrifice animals. It's called the mystery of the red heifer. Then they burn the animal and the ashes, they put it in purifying water and they pour it on you to purify you. That's what they did until Jesus came and then he sacrificed and ended everything. But the Jewish people still believed it. Apostle Paul never believed that. In Hebrews 10, he, he dismantled everything about sacrifices. And James told him to purify himself and the people he was going to Jerusalem with. Look at what Paul did. In Acts 21, the verse 24, the advice given to him by uh, James. He says, and take and purify thyself with them and be at charges with them that they may shave their heads because that's what the Jewish people believed and all may know that those things whereof they were informed concerning you Paul are nothing but that thou thyself also walketh orderly and keepest the law so Paul entered into the place as if he, he believed in the law 
If it was in our time, they would say that Paul has compromised. Look at the next verse. Look. He says, as touching the Gentiles which believe, we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing, save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from from strangled and from fornication. Next verse. Then Paul took the men and the next day did what? Purifying himself. Paul knew he has been purified and sanctified by Christ. Yet he purified himself by the Jewish custom. Then entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification until that an offering should be offered for every one of them. So they killed an animal for Paul. Sacrifice for his sins. And Paul, Jenahudi, took it. It's the wisdom of the gospel many people don't know. And they say, oh, you are compromising. You have to stand. They say, hey, you too. You too. No, there's a place for the defense of the gospel. And it's a place to, the place to act in wisdom. Always think of edifying the body. I heard someone say, any preacher who takes tight is a fraud. I said, that is not edifying. This does not edify. There are people whose hopes and everything is intact. There is a way you speak that will foster rebellion. Now you hear young guys also say, any preacher, to understand somebody insulted Bishop David Paul, a revered man of God worldwide, and said he is a foolish man for taking tight. I said, I started praying for the guy. I said, may God forgive you. I started praying for this guy. Young guy. 21 year old boy. I said, you, you people, God forgive you. Now people can insult every man of God who some few years ago you dare not talk about. They insult him because they have knowledge. I've closed. Bless you.